Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Hi, I'm Kim Salmon. I'd like to have a quick word about uh, public radio, particularly 3CR. The thing about public radio is that it's more open than the more formatted types of radio to what's going on around it. So when you listen to it, you're more likely to hear a reflection of real life. And 3CR being in the heart of Smith Street, Collingwood, is a particularly good example of what I'm talking about. If you'd like to uh, subscribe... The number is 94198377. You've been listening to the same. You could never understand. Feel the fortune flowing. You know it isn't After your first day of cycling, a memory of motion lingers in the muscles of your legs and round. And round they go. Pedal your blues away. Forget all your troubles away. Hop on your bike any time you like. And pedal your blues away. Slow down that cadence, take a breath, sit up, it's a cold, frigid day here in Melbourne. Many thanks to Democracy Now! and Amy Goodman, you're listening to 3CR on the transistor, podcasting or streaming, and you're welcome to the Yarrabug Bicycle Show, a show on 3CR about bicycles. Good morning, Faith. Good morning, Val. And Faith and I joined on the tandem this morning. Jesse Carlson. Good morning, Jesse. Good morning. Sarah Hammond. Sarah, good morning, Sarah. Hi there. We're going to be concentrating today on some... Um, and Sorry, Cole sitting <laughs> in the corner. Uh, we're going to be chatting today about riding across America, I presume. Uh, we will. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and that memory of motion that still lingers in your legs, yeah. I presume. Absolutely. Yes. And we'll have a little bit of the news. We've got a... F- Fairly high list of events today. Winter's still alive in Melbourne. But why don't we kick off with our bike moment? Faith. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. I didn't have a lot of bike moments to choose from since I spent most of last week sick. But uh, yesterday, riding past series, my phone was in my back pocket and it buzzed, which can only mean one thing these days. So uh, I scored two Pikachu. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that was uh, the highlight of the week, pretty much for me. <laughs> oh, there we go. <coughs> Who wants to go first? All right, I'll jump in. Yep. Uh, the weekend just gone, we went up to Beechworth, and most people know that I'm not great at navigating, and I managed to get lost again on a group ride. And that night we had a live cross to the tour 
with uh, Mike Tomolaris and he strung me up in front of everybody about my navigational <laughs> skills. So it's, um, it's managed to make its way across the ocean now. So, yeah, that was the highlight of my week. It, it was already across the ocean. Oh, so yeah, brought it home. Yeah, yeah. It's done full circle now. It's great. <laughs> I was surprised the other day when I... I'm going to say this, it's not nostalgic, but somebody pulled me up to me next to me on the lights in the high-vis orange aerospoke wheeled fixie (laughs) with the kryptonite lock in the back pocket. And I turned and looked and I thought, I just never die of cycling, does it? (laughs) You've got one crazy fashion after another and it just keeps coming back. Needless to say, the light turned green, off he went. (laughs) It was really one of those lovely little pieces of something that's sort of a little bit only Melbourne and then still around. Uh, Jesse. Oh, I'm going to have to share on Sarah's experience too. So we're at, uh, up there. <laughs> Feel free to piggyback. Yeah, that's, that's fine. Right, yeah. <laughs> to the Beechworth on the weekend. Um, as it turned out, it was a road bike, but I was on a mountain bike, which wasn't a great start. Um, but it was lucky because, uh, yeah, Sarah, as we know, she, she cannot navigate her way out of a paper bag. Um, but it was good for me. It meant I got to use my mountain bike as we climbed a rough and rocky dirt track to the top of Mount Stanley. <laughs> so it was a great weekend. Would have been a bit brisk up there on the weekend, wasn't it? Yeah, we had a bit of frost biking. Um, <laughs> so there was a little the bit of snow craze. from time to time. So, no, it was... Uh, yeah, definitely a little bit colder than, than Melbourne, um, yep. but it was good to breathe some nice, fresh mountain air. Mm, I bet. And we'll touch on a little bit of news. Freyth, um, has the tour gripped you as much as it has every other year this year? No, no, what? I didn't get into it. And I think it was, I think that that energy you have to be totally swallowed up by something sort of went to Sarah when she was riding across America. <laughs> That was the whole, you know, purple dot thing. And and then the start of the tour, I was away. And even though it's on the same time frame as us, for me, the tour is really about winter and sitting up all night. And mm. that, I don't know, it seemed weird. We were in Japan where it was warm. <laughs> and it just didn't really, I thought, I'll get it back into it when I get back to it in Melbourne. But then sort of crashed and burned. So. Mm. Yeah. Jesse, the dominance of one or two teams make a difference? Yeah, I don't know. I've, this year, I just, uh, yeah, I haven't really gotten into it either. Mm-hmm. I think because mm-hmm. emotionally I was invested in all the other <laughs> races that were going on. Um, and so I think, yeah, I think you've only got that much capacity to follow these things. I'm sure yeah. I dipped in and out to see the results day to day, but I, yeah, I didn't. I didn't force myself to stay up late on too many occasions watching the race this year. Yeah. Kind of suffered enough sleep deprivation in the last couple of months <laughs> yeah, to, exactly. yeah, to have any more. Was like, yeah, no thanks. <laughs> we should dip our lids to. Uh, uh, sorry, Chris Froome, triple. You know, loose on the bed, Le Monde. Not many people do it. Amazing effort. Yeah, I've got to say one thing that uh, that I dragged out of it. I think it's increased my fear of descending. Watching a couple of those descents, I'm I'm going to walk down a hill from now. On, I think <laughs> I really do. <laughs> Uh, Have we heard of any accidents from people trying to emulate Chris Froome's descending? That's uh, all. Have there been any accidents? Yeah, uh-huh. I bet. I said to somebody, there is another great descent by uh, Bernard Hanau in about 85 or 86, and he'd already 
he should have stopped trying. He'd already meant to be helping Lamond, and he'd descended. I think it was that descent that Froome did it the other day. And halfway down, he sat up as a whiz on the side of it as he was going down the hill. On uh, it was terrifying. <laughs> somebody said to me, "Oh, it's just like a you know somebody skiing downhill." Yeah, but you can't jump the tyres from one side mm. of the road to the other yeah, to get a bit yeah. of an angle. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Terrifying. be happy to know that if the Western distributor goes ahead here in Melbourne, there'll be some new bike paths alongside it. Very good. Very good. Mm. Oh, great. I love this when they when they announce these things. It's an actual rule now. If you yeah. build a new road, mm. you've got to build a bike path. Yeah, that's fantastic. no yeah. shit. We're helping the cyclist. Uh, anyway, I mean that's why you got those paths up to Craigieburn. And alongside East Link. Yep, it's, and the Ring yeah. Road and all yeah. those things. Mm. They're very good. Mm. Now, we'll be back talking about long-term efforts, dedication, sitting on the bike. <laughs> I didn't say that. You said that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back after this. IPAN is inviting you to attend its anti-war conference and join the Close Pine Gap protests from the 26th of September to the 2nd of October in Alice Springs. Pine Gap facilitates US war activities, international espionage and their killer drone program. It's time to stop the drift to war and free Australia from US military bases. For more information on the IPAN conference, go to ipan.org.au and for protest details, see closepinegap.org. IPAN is a 3CR supporter. And you're back listening to the Yarrabug radio show on 3CR. Um, As we mentioned, we've got Jess and Sarah in the studio, both of whom have ridden the Trans Am bike race across America. Jess won it last year. And uh, Sarah sort of set the world alight this year when she did it. Um, so maybe, Jess, you could start off by, just for those listeners who, who did manage to miss um, it while it was going on, and give us an idea of what is the Trans Am Bike Race and what makes it such a phenomenal event. Um, yeah. <clears throat> so the Trans Am Bike Race is a, it's a single-stage um Mostly, yeah, solo. Most riders uh, do it solo as well, although this year they had a, a pairs category. Um, so it's unsupported as well, so you have to take all your own stuff along the way to survive and deal with weather and bike issues and um, bear country and all that sort of thing. Um, but it's not, It's a race held on an established bike touring route across the US. It's about 6,800 kilometres. Um, it's actually the uh, it was the beachhead route established by the Adventure Cycling um organization in the u.s in 1976 so this year was the 40th anniversary of the route um and it's a fantastic organization um, that makes bike touring across the u.s very easy so they publish maps for all of these routes um and typically in the u.s people only have two weeks of annual leave so they'll bite off a chunk of a route like this and and tour it so typically it takes people you know many years to finish that sort of route um and if people are riding it straight through um, it might take them three months or, or maybe a bit longer. Um, but as we saw, Sarah got the job done in about three weeks, just under three weeks. So um, the the races are typically riding, um, you know, close to 400 kilometres a day, uh, sleeping very little, um, sleeping wherever they can, finding their own food and water along the way. So it's kind of interesting. I think if you look at the stats, it's close to twice the distance of the of the tour. Um, yeah. But so without the thing car and so on. Um, it's six thousand eight hundred kilometres in total. Kilometers. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
So it's quite a way. Um, and the route is, is great how it splits up. It's almost like the tour in a way. So you have the different phases to the race. You start off with the high mountains as you come through uh, the Rockies in Colorado and so on. Then you move into the time trial section through the, through the Great Plains and you deal with the winds and the crosswinds and all that sort of thing um, before finishing off with some about 2,000 kilometres of power climbs through Missouri, and uh, which I think is too close to misery to be a coincidence. I know I keep saying that, but anyway, um, uh, before you head over to the coast. So it's coast to coast across the states from um, Astoria in Oregon across to Yorktown, Virginia. Can you do it... Um just, you can do it from east to west, can't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But not so, many people do. No. Traditionally. Yeah, traditionally, yeah. Um, well, the race has been, this is the third year they've run the race, um, and so typically it's been held from, from west coast uh, to east coast. Uh, but this year, I think to provide a bit of variety, Nathan Jones, the race organiser, opened it up to, to ride the other way as well, um, which is something you can do in some of these other um, bikepacking events around the around the traps now. Um yeah. But yeah, definitely heading from uh, yeah west coast across to east is the is the most popular way and the the hot the, the most heavily contested. Yeah. And so, Sarah, <clears throat> what made you um, think you might like to do this? Uh, it was a combination of a lot of things. I think watching Jesse last year um, race and win uh, was obviously inspiring and motivating. Uh, and there's an aspect of challenging myself too. It was mostly trying to step outside of a massive comfort zone, um, kind of playing it safe for a really long time. Um, so kind of throwing myself into something like this was going to be challenging, obviously physically, but more so mentally, um, and seeing how I'd adapt and survive and et cetera, et cetera. So there was a lot of, lot of factors in play. Um, but, um, yeah, it was definitely an aspect of challenging myself. Which, which it did, <laughs> pretty much from the second day. So. I suspect the, the physical aspect of in some ways is the easiest aspect. I mean, I'm saying this as an outsider. I would have no <laughs> Signing idea. up next year? I, yeah. would, I would have no idea. And I, I would assume that, you know, you, you've got a fair bit of faith in the physicality of you getting it done. Yeah, you can. Well, you never know, do you? No, no, you can't. You can't train for the distance. No. So um, you can prepare for the mental side to some extent, but this was my first race, so I yeah. had no idea what to expect. Uh, and I probably could have prepared a bit better in some areas, um, but I'm known to procrastinate and leave stuff to the last minute and take it by chance. <laughs> so the physicality definitely, after a few days, it becomes almost robotic. Yeah. So my legs in the first week or so, and even beyond that, they just they tend to just keep ticking over. It kind of goes into survival mode. It's dealing with all the other stuff that kind of cropped up yeah. in addition to that. So whether it was, you know, body aches, um, navigation, um, <laughs> weather, the mental side, all, all of it becomes really – it all becomes mental because you have to work out how to manage it. Yeah. Uh. So it does really – because – during the race, Jesse kept mentioning that because after the first week um, and that sort of delirium and sleep deprivation that sets in with navigational errors, things going wrong, it, because it's such a long event, there's going to be that is affecting everyone. Mm -hmm. So it really does become a, a, it's about resilience, isn't yeah. it? Being able to keep going and just overcome suffering. Yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> or keep, go through it. <laughs> it's funny because you start to think, like, it went through my head a lot going, oh, everyone else is fine. Like they're not going through what I'm going through. Right. But everybody had something different. You know, there was one guy, Lee, who passed out for 21 hours from dehydration and there was derailers yeah. breaking and there was someone got their bike stolen. It was, there's endless, endless hurdles. So whereas I'm sitting there thinking mine are the worst. Yeah. <laughs> I had my fair share, but everybody was suffering. So even the people that took longer, the people that went faster, it was the same across the board. Man. For all the trip, you're, you're never actually riding alongside anybody, are you? No. no. I, I um, It spread out really quickly in the first couple of days, so there was only a couple Who's of occasions. <laughs> <laughs> Rocket. Yeah. <laughs> I um there were a few times where people that were following the race would ride. Um yep. and I think I had three people through that whole ride and that was all in the end it was all in Kentucky and Virginia and that was great because it just you get a free pass from your head for a couple yeah. of hours and it would just whiz by because you'd just be listening to someone else and yeah. not even focusing mm-hmm. on your mind. Um, so you can see why the solo component of this race is, is so challenging yeah. because it is, it's you in your head for a long time. Yeah. Jess, you'd never ride. Did you ride alongside anybody? No, you did, wouldn't have seen anybody. <laughs> no, when I did it, I was, yeah, I was alone, um, yeah, most, yeah, yeah, most of the time. And I think it, it's interesting too because when you talk to people about these events, some people um, find that the scariest thing. It's yeah. like, how, how am I going to deal with being you know, riding alone for, you know, for close to three weeks. Um, So for some people that's really intimidating, but for some people it's a very unusual um, luxury. Um, It's Mm. very rare that you get that chance to escape from from everything and just, you know, be by yourself. For some people um, that sort of time for introspection and so on is a a luxury. So, yeah, but it's not for everyone. (laughs) It can create problems, can it? Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. Sarah, could you possibly go through it? I know there's probably not a typical day there, but say you've had a little bit of a kip. Can you run through what a a typical day or one day might be like for you? It it does become a little bit like Groundhog Day. So obviously it worsens as time goes on, Um, but a a typical day would be, let's say, roughly three hours sleep. And then you wake up and it feels like you slept. It feels like you just blinked. And then you wake up and then everything that started healing overnight starts to hurt and yeah. split and crack. And <laughs> then you get up, you get on the bike. Um, you don't generally have coffee and breakfast waiting there for you. <laughs> so it's whatever you've got in your bag or it's a vending machine and you're drinking Coke at three in the morning. And then you start riding and the first hour and a half hurts because yeah. you have to warm up, you have to get back into a rhythm. Then you start thinking about everything that hurts. So whether it was the saddle burn, it was my neck, uh, because I had a few issues with just straining my neck from the aero bars. Um, Could be my fingers with uh, the nerve damage I had in them. And that becomes a mantra all day. So you're doing that whilst you're trying to navigate. Um, And then, you you know, you're living on gas station food. So every X amount of hours you're eating really badly. really quickly um then you're dealing with weather and that's and like and you're counting every kilometer or mile in this case until the next time when you know you're going to get a chance to have a break and then on top of that you are trying to stay awake and that became the big challenge towards the end you would go through phases of being 
overly alert where you were just high and engaged and pretty wired. Um, and then all of a sudden you just – my eyes would just start to wobble and I'd be swerving over the road or just yeah. having an inability to stay awake. Um, that was a normal day. So <laughs> I won't be somewhere a little bit better, <laughs> yeah. And how many of them? It's it's 21. 21. Yeah. Yeah. In a row. Yeah. yeah. Look, some were better. Like, yeah. so, look, the thing was, it was what was happening around me was incredible. Yeah. And I spend so much time talking about what was going on in my head and my body that forgets kind of shed some light on what an incredible country it was. Yeah. And the people were incredible. Yeah. Absolutely incredible. Um, people had no lack of wanting to offer you help or just have a conversation um, in these small country. Well, they're like small country towns. Yeah. Like, and motorists are incredible over there. Yeah. So I feel much safer riding over there than back home here. Yeah. So yeah, it was it was an incredible adventure. Yeah. So. And to see those sweeping planes endlessly, yeah. <laughs> I know it looks pretty ordinary from a bike, but it must have some. It's a wide open space. Oh, isn't absolutely. It? You know, uh, There's no shortage of them, so it's you just take you just take everything on as it comes. Um, like even in, even in Virginia, at the end, there was one big mountain climb, the second yeah. last day, and um, you just go, oh yeah. Another climb, <laughs> slash mountain. It's, you just there isn't an alternative. It's not like you're going to go. Oh, I'm just going to go back to the start. It's yeah. it's everything. You just you just get into a mode where you're like, it's another climb, or it's another flat, or it's yeah. another lightning storm, or it's. Uh, yeah. Do you uh, play music or anything? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I um couldn't got really a do that. Track, or, you've got a. No, you you can't communicate with anybody, can you? I um yeah look there there is communication um and we had people following the race as well yeah. as in covering it um I made a, a choice at the start not to connect to social media in any way that's what yeah a lot of races did um a handful of people didn't but for me that was a distraction a uh, big one because you could just lose time and we all know we could sit on our phone for five yeah. minutes the next minute it's like two hours has gone by yeah. So for me, that wasn't an option. So I had contact with a couple of people. Obviously, Jesse was one of them. My sister was a, another yeah. one. Um, and they kind of would send snippets through of what was going on at home. And I'd be just like, what? <laughs> <laughs> There's a T-shirt? Yes. <laughs> well, oh, my God, you're wearing it. <laughs> I don't have mine today. I should have brought it too. Uh, <laughs> oh, dear. Um, do you have yours on, Cole? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> let down. Um, yeah, so it was, um, yeah, so contact, um, there was minimal contact and in some respects I needed it, um, but I know next time I do something like this, I um, I think I'll leave my phone at home. Yeah. I know my whole family will have a meltdown over that <laughs> one um, about not having contact, but... I think not having people giving their opinion on how you should manage stuff, whether it's yeah. – I had, I had <laughs> my sister and Jessie playing good cop, bad cop. <laughs> so every time I'd be like, I'm so tired, Jessie would be like, keep riding. My sister would be like, you should have a nap. And I'd be like, I don't know what to do. Um, so I think next time, yeah, definitely no contact with the outside world. Yeah. So it's going to take introversion to another level. Uh. <laughs> This is, you know, the, the whole idea of, I mean, the, the, I'm going to mention the Tour Divide and this as well. No money, bragging rights only, mm -hmm. self-supported, 
thousand everybody you know people doing it every year mm. it's great yeah i think it's yeah. there's a theme of people wanting to do um I don't know, longer and longer things. I remember yeah. growing up, the ultimate in endurance was running a marathon or, or something like yeah. that. Um, but I think the great thing with these, this sort of event is that, um, I mean, if you look at it, there's, there's, no, there's no money that could, that could be you know, justified as prize money, really, for something yeah. like that. And I think it's, it's kind of cool. And, and until you do something like that, it's, it's maybe hard to, to understand it. But there's times at which... If, it wouldn't matter how much money you had in the world. If someone offered you a cold drink in the desert when you're out of water, you yeah. would give everything you had for it. Um, mm. So there's times where that doesn't really make sense. So it's kind of cool to have these events that are so long and so tough, but there's no financial reward. There's no real fame or glory yeah. necessarily in winning it, but people are doing it for their own reasons yeah. to to either go on some adventure or challenge themselves in some way. So, and the, one of the byproducts, it's interesting to watch people you know, I'm going to say, take my case for it, get to work in the morning, everybody logs on, wants to know where Sarah yeah. is, wants to know what's <clears> happening <throat> with somebody else. It's a whole sort mm. of, and it's a slow-mo <clears throat> sort of spectator. Mm. You, yeah. you, all you're doing is watching a dot. Mm. It's mm-hmm. not like you're watching Descending Through the Law Valley or anything yeah. like that. So it, it sort of adds something else to it. Mm. I think it is, it's interesting how you can you can follow these races. It, it's strange that... You know, you can follow a dot on a screen and it can become <laughs> yeah, engaging. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I think maybe over time we'll see that side of covering it um, improve a little bit. Um, but I think part of the cool thing is it's kind of geeky in a way. It's it's funny <laughs> seeing the the lengths to, to which some people go. There was the traffic cam, yeah, photos. yeah, exactly. Cam. Yeah. <laughs> so people tracking down Not all the all, all the live traffic cams across <laughs> across the US that coincided with the route and trying to wait for riders right, to come past and, and get a get a shot. So, um, but yeah, so I think this year we saw the the dot watching go to a new level. <laughs> so. Would either of you do it again? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Knowing knowing what all having the experience now, um, there's a part of me that actually wants to go back and do it better. Uh-huh. So I know I know I know exactly where it kinda of came unthreaded and it was mentally. Um, uh-huh. and there was aspects of physical, uh, uh, just with my neck and breathing and stuff like this and It'd be nice to go back now with that information and a better understanding yeah. and try and do it faster. But that's my own personal demon. So I could have come first and still gone, no, nah, not good enough. Yeah. Go back, do yeah. it again. So, <laughs> yes, it's an expensive habit. <laughs> gives you a goal. Yeah. <laughs> Jesse, you haven't answered the question. Uh, um, I don't know. It's, it's, it's yeah. interesting. I'd like to... Yeah, maybe I'd do something like this again. Uh, yeah. I don't know if I'd like to do, um, you know, a repeat effort on one of these things. I, I think the thing that's drawn me to these these events now, like having done a couple of them, is the race. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so if there was an yeah. able, if there was an ability to construct a, a race with all the, you know, all the all the the top top riders involved, and um, you know, you'd much rather have a race yeah. and and you know get tenth place in a hotly contested race to, <clears throat> to win something that's that's yeah. not as hotly contested. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, if there's a, an opportunity to do that. It's not like the crits. You can't show up next week and <laughs> uh, race yeah, all the same yeah, folks yeah. and go, okay, I had a cracker this week and then next week try again. It's yeah. of, who knows when you're going to get the chance yeah. to race the, the fast guys again. So, but yeah. you, you have got plans for the future. <laughs> nice yes. segue. Oh, segue <laughs> yeah, well, I think there's, 
There's um, mm. we're starting to build a bit of a, a pedigree in Australia for riders doing pretty well in these these events, um, and so it's a shame that that uh, we spend all this money and time going across to the US or going to to Europe. So I thought we'd let's why not why not put on an event here. So um, we've got a pretty small scale event um, kicking off in a few weeks. Race to the Rock, I'm calling it, which is all which is a pretty remote event, um, mostly off road from Adelaide to Uluru. Um, and so that'll be an amazing adventure. I just wanted to do that myself, but I thought I'd open it up as an event to maybe see if it, others wanted to use it as an excuse for their own adventure. Yeah. Um, but next year, I think, uh, in the same vein as the Trans Am, uh, we're going to put on the Indian Pacific Wheel Race, um, so which is about 5,300 kilometres um, from, from Perth uh, across to Sydney. Um, and so it's going to be, uh, I think I can see a great way of making that work as a race. So it breaks into phases similar to the Trans Am. You've got the desert across the Nullarbor to start with. You've got the rolling hills through the winery districts coming into and out of Adelaide. Um, <laughs> you've got the Great Ocean Road, which all the bike tourers want to ride when they come to yeah. Australia. And then, so sure, you can time trial across the desert, but can you then uh, hold it together for a hilly 1200 k's through the Australian Alps to finish yep. to get to Sydney. Yep. So mm. I think we'll see how it can work. So that'll be on March next year. Um, so we're trying to build a little bit of hype around that at the moment. So awesome. Yeah, hopefully we get a good field. Hmm. Couple okay. of events you'll have well, to through the Okay, really quickly because um, we've run out yeah, of time. So fun. coming up on August, the weekend, August 6th and 7th, is round three of the National Cross Series, Fields of Joy in uh, Essendon. And that will also be including Melissa J- Jacobs' farewell race. And this weekend on the 30th is the Women's Development Day down also at Essendon Fields. And I think later in the day, a general open to uh, everyone uh, development session. So if you want some skills, uh, even if you're not thinking of racing, uh, you're welcome to go to either of those and you'll find the details if you search for Fields of Joy Cyclocross on Facebook. And that's uh, all we've got time for this week. The other thing that's happening during the week, if you... Oh, sorry. If you look out to the west... Later on in this month, you should see five planets one night. Mercury, Venus, low in the northwest. Jupiter, Mars and Saturn up a bit higher. That's all we've got time for. Next, I mean, next up is Dirt Radio. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.